Paul said, huh. And you guys are okay with it? He said, don't you know a little leaves leaves the whole lump? All of you are sinners as far as I'm concerned. This is not appalling to you. You're accepting this. And that's how it is. Every society, you have to be very careful that the things that are normal in the society never become accepted in the church. And let me just say something. I'm digressing. I will get into my message in a moment. There are arguments you hear once in a while. They'll tell you that abortion is killing many young girls, so we should legalize it. Have you heard that argument? What will legalizing it do? It means that they cannot have access to safe abortion, which so they will not die, which is not a lie. I mean, if a doctor, a trained doctor in a good hospital handles it, nobody dies. I mean, you have to be, and that is, the evil spirits must be working extra hours to be able to kill anybody that wants to terminate a pregnancy and is doing done by a doctor in a, in a good setting, about waiting. Which is the argument many people use. And I've heard Doctors in Nigeria, gynecologists, they tell, look, too many people are dying. Let's... But somebody says something. There's no way I'm saying this. We have to be careful before we accept things. It, of course, a lot of parts of Europe, smoking wee wee is legal. A few years ago in Canada, they, remo- they, they removed it from being a criminal offense to possess it to being a mild misdemeanor, just like you're overspeeding. What is the reason? They say the amount of resources they are using trying to tackle, of course now it's fully legal, forget that thing, that the number of resources they are using to tackle that crime is too much. So, they now reduce it to a misdemeanor so that it just be like, okay, don't do it again. A slap on the wrist like, like when man will say, let's not catch you again. Then you go away. Alright? Eventually everything became legal. Somebody says something, there's a problem with making something legal. Once you make it legal, you are taking, telling everybody it's alright. Even if you can't, now this is my own statement, even if you can't enforce the law, leave the law like that. Because by having your law say this is wrong, or this is against the law, you are telling everybody it is wrong. Once you make it legal, you are saying it is right. Nobody is going to be there 25 years later to try explain that it is legal only because, you know, we could not. He said, no. Make it re- even if you don't enforce the law, leave it as legal. Why? You are speaking to the generations that this is wrong. And that's why the church must never buy any of these arguments. When they want to argue, when they want to bring out some things, you know, you help, even Christians eventually buy it. They say, why should we terminate a pregnancy? What if the woman was raped? What do we do? I say, you see, when you start bringing those arguments, you don't get the point. The point is not the circumstances of conception. The point, the argument is, is this a life or it is not? Because if you say, what if, then the one woman will come up one day, two days after the baby has been born, slaughters the baby, say, why? The father has gone. Who will look after her? Who will look after him? The argument is not the Supreme Court. And in case you don't know it, if the world continues the way it is going, eventually it will legalize infanticide. Because in many parts, of course, the one of, in fact, there's one thing I saw. A big billboard pasted somewhere in the United States by a pro-life campaigning group. They showed a dog. They said, kill a puppy, cruel. Kill an unborn child, choice. Yes. They put it up, they say, see what you guys are saying. Meanwhile, a man killed a lion, Cecil the lion. Remember? Protest around his clinic. One African student wrote a letter, a, 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 an article about it that you guys, you know, don't overchop. Yes, the Cecil that we know, 
is, is, is the brother of the people who kill our animals at home, kill our farmers. A white man came and shot him after paying maybe like $20,000, and the whole of America is making noise. Yet, they slaughter thousands of babies on a daily basis. Nobody says anything. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. You get inundated with those things. You start saying it is normal. You start making excuses for what is bad. Like I say all the time, never make excuses for Satan. Even if you can't do anything about it, the least you can do, just disagree. Just say to yourself, a life is a life. It's given by God. Let's leave it like that. What am I going to say? You see, many things. If you ever hear those who argue in favor of divorce. I had one bishop from somewhere in Africa saying that there one, one particular woman, the, the husband used to put a knife on the table when they want to eat. So that if she talks, she, he might cut her neck. So that what do they expect them to do? You see, you can't use reason to explain away the word of God. You should try and understand what God said. And then you set the word of God as a standard. I don't know where you're getting my point. You set that God's word as a standard. And then we start working towards it. We don't put the standard down. We don't. Even if we can't reach it, at least our standard is up there. Next year, somebody might improve upon it. You set a goal in front of you. You are moving towards it. Not bring the goal down to where you are so that nobody goes anywhere. Why am I saying this? Things happen in society. It enters into the church. And in the, in, the, in the church in Colossae, what was happening was that all these religions around the said had crept into the church. Let me, I thought I was going to read something for you, right? Let me just read it. Why did Paul write this letter? He said, the object is to counteract Jewish false teaching. A lot of people in that church, they were Jews. Gentiles were also there. It was a Gentile city anyway, but Jews were there. The object is to counteract Jewish false teachings. By setting before the Colossians, they are standing in Christ alone, exclusive of other heavenly beings. The majesty of his presence, that is setting before the Colossians, the majesty of his presence, and the completeness of the redemption accomplished by him. Hence, they ought to be conformed to their risen Lord, and to exhibit that conformity in all relations of ordinary life. He said, there are some practices like new moons, Sabbath days. These things show the false teachings opposed. Okay, these things show that the false teaching opposed is that of Judaizing Christians mixed with Oriental theosophy. Forgive the big English. I wasn't the one that wrote it. I'm copying from professionals. Are you getting my point? All right. Now, the point he's making here is this. What you, find in, what you found those days in that place was people were mixing Judaism with... You know, let's say Eastern religion, angel worship, ascetism of Ju- certain Jewish sects. What I mean by ascetism is that, you know, this strict lifestyle. Don't eat this, don't eat this, dress like this, do that. Very strict lifestyle, all right, of certain sects. All of them were mixed up and they were Christianized them and they were now in the church in Colossae. These theosophists professed a deeper insight into the world of spirits. And the nearer approach to heavenly purity and intelligence than the simple gospel that Paul had been preaching. What was the situation? The situation was that in which people were practicing all kinds of things in what they call Christianity. If I say that, to surprise a lot of people, a lot of that is, uh, uh, is with us today. Like if you see over the last um, few weeks, 
something that come upon me again. I tried to emphasize the centrality of Christ in all that we are doing. This interesting part, I did not even, I didn't have it in mind as being the central thing in Colossians, in the book of Colossians, and that we needed to look at it again. Because I hear a lot of people preach, and you see, people mix, they mix a lot of things with Christ. They mix a lot of practice of spiritual principles with Christ. And there's something about the gospel. What is, in quote, offending about the gospel is the simplicity of what we have in Christ Jesus. Let me give you an example. A man needs something, so he goes on a 15-day fast. A man wants to accomplish something, he goes on a 10-day fast. At the end of the day, somebody like me shows up and says, you are fasting for 15 days. Why? Because you want, you want God to do something for you. Why didn't you just ask in the name of Jesus, give thanks and relax? And the man says to you, you can't be serious. This man built his church with 100 days fast. This one built his business with 70 days fast. This one built his marriage with 25 days fast. He starts quoting and quoting for you. I say, but listen, in Christ, Jesus has paid for that thing. And this, your labor, is not necessary. That is the major way you offend Christians today. One day I was talking with a friend of mine. This was many years ago. Perfect illustration. He had heard this gospel of, if you want to prosper, you just be putting in seed, putting in seed. So one day he and I, we have heard the, all heard the gospel. I'm not told him something. I said, do you know the real seed is the word of God? You know what he said to me? He said, what do you mean? Are you trying to tell me all this money I've been giving is not going to work? <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That was what he told me. These are not the exact words, but that was what he said. I was like, wait. As you were giving, I was giving. All of us were giving. But did you think that that was the key to prosperity? I left the argument there. Because I realized that the man had built his hope on something. And I just come suddenly to knock it down. He wasn't going to take it easy. That is why some of these philosophies, they prosper in Christianity. That's why they prosper. Because human beings like to work. Human beings like to say, I have done something. How can you just sit down there and not be able to say, I did something? Listen, that was what was going on in the, in, 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 in the Colossian church, in the, in the whole environment. It's a spirit around, and it entered into the church. Take a country like ours today. If a man has to write a letter to the Nigerian church, like Paul, <laughs> he will address on how a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses with behalf of the doctrine. Why? Cor- corruption. The man will be explaining why you shouldn't steal and that money is not all there is to life. And the, Paul will have written and written. And they will say, make sure these letters are read, read during PDP con- congresses and APC congresses and in every church. It becomes a central part. Why? Because there's a spirit around. It creeps into the church. I mean, people, people say, why is God not judging PDP and APC? He won't. Because I can't. Why would I do that? I've not finished with the pastors. Yes, that's his reason. I have not finished with those who are twisting the word of God for money. So when Paul, when Paul was writing to the Colossians, what was happening is that many things had come in. People had started saying things like, you know, for you to be able to reach God, there are other ways by which you activate. He said, but Christ, said, no, yes, Christ is there, but to get to Christ, 
Sometimes he's angry. You talk to his mother. Sometimes he's not listening. You ask St. Peter to talk to him for you. Why? You know, Christ is so big. Do you understand? People have come with doctors like, listen, you must understand that this is business. This is church. Church is different from business. One of the things I, di- I-, I discovered when I was reading through that book of Colossians, especially in chapter 1, Paul had to explain that there, were two, there are two things that Jesus died for. There are two things that Jesus accomplished. There are two places Jesus is head. One is head of all creation. Land, business, water, whatever it is. And two is head of the church. So everything is in him. Paul had to explain that. Obviously people have begun to separate it. That you must understand that Christianity is different from real life. I just assume that people were beginning to look at the stars to guide their lives. Paul had to explain that, listen, the stars are subject to Christ. We'll see that when we start reading. Paul had to explain that. What I'm emphasizing to us today is that what Paul was trying to do was simple. He was trying to bring to the people the centrality of Christ in everything. Something which I also believe is missing today. That knowledge. That's why the other time we, we decided to package Package about 40-something CDs and messages that we preach here at different times on the subject Christ because I am convinced that today's Christianity, that knowledge has been weakened. Many things people practice that they call Christianity is not Christianity. It's a Christian religion. I mean, it looks like a Christian religion. It looks like they are doing what looks like a, you know, Christianity, but it's not centered on Christ. And if it is not centered on Christ, it's not Christianity. I hope you're getting my point. Yes. Let's just open our Bibles because I'm just looking at the time. Time is going. Now, I'm going to start reading from um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, of course. I'll just read most of chapter 1 today, and next time we'll start um, discussing them in details. I'll use different translations as I go on, but the one I want to start with today is um, New Living Translation. So we've understood the reason why he wrote this. It was just to help the people understand the centrality of Christ in everything. Every letter starts with an introduction. Paul introduces himself and the people who are with him. He said, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. That's his um, greeting. Now, verse 3, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Or if you have your Bible, may say the saints. They're talking about the believers. Which come from your confident hope of which God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news or the gospel. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, 
our beloved co-worker? Is Christ's faithful servant and is helping us on your behalf? He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Let me just pause for a moment, alright? Now, let me just say something. It is not every verse we will pass comments on. So a few things I will jump not to bother, I won't bother to explain the details that are in there. The truth is that there are points in every verse. Are you getting my point? There are. Apparently, Paul didn't start this church. Epaphras did. Are you getting my point? Yes, Epaphras did. It wasn't Paul that started it. But Paul was, can I use the expression, senior apostle? <laughs> yes, he was a senior apostle. He was the one that, these were his co-workers, men he trained, men that worked with him in ministry. I think Epaphras was from that area. He was the one that preached the gospel to, that, to those people, and he was the one that began the church. All right? That's just by the way. Now, uh, where did I stop reading? Verse 8, all right. Verse 9. Now, because of these things that we have heard about your love, your faith, and everything, and the word prospering amongst you, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God, this is our prayer, to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what we quote here all the time when we start studying. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know Jesus, to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. I'm going to stop here today. All right? That is in verse 14. Now, let me just make two points here. Then we'll end it, and then next time we'll, we'll be able to expand these things further. First of all, let's look at how Paul prayed. The first thing I want to bring out is how he prayed for Christians. Paul says something. Before I started altering these prayers for you, I heard some news. I heard of how, let me just go back to it. Verse 4, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints, God's people. He said those two things we heard first before we began to use this pattern of prayer. The way you pray for Christians is different from the way you pray for people who have not yet believed. It is it's very important. It's very important. I said something once that my wife and I used to discuss. I tell her this baby, you can't be quoting scripture for somebody who you are not sure. Like say, God says you are the head and not the tail. You only say such things to people that you know are of real faith in Christ Jesus. Not just because you love them and you want them to prosper. I don't know whether I'm getting my point. There are things you don't say to people who you don't have a testimony of their faith. Paul made it clear. You know, anytime I read Paul's letters, I notice that he always explained that this prayer I'm praying <laughs> is because I heard that your faith is present, your faith is strong, you are committed to the faith, you love the brethren. For that reason, I began to pray for you like this. What does that say to me? That tells me that if they were not like that, he wouldn't have wasted his prayer like that on them. For example, he'll pray for the Jews. He said, my earnest desire is that they will be saved. Not to be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so they can walk in the manner worthy of the Lord. No, 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 that one is for people who have believed. 
For the nation of Israel, as much as he loved them, he said, no, my earnest desire is that they will be saved. I testify that they have a zeal for God, but not we know, he said, but without knowledge. They don't understand. So I want them to be saved. You are praying for people who have not yet believed. That is where the prayer centers around. Why am I just emphasizing that? That you see that Paul, and then again, in praying for Christians, <laughs> there are things that are fundamental. I found out, of course, reading the scriptures and looking at life, many of the things that we pray for, Paul never prayed for them for anybody. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Every time he prayed for any of the churches, his prayer points were always centered around a few things. Always the issue of that they may increase in the knowledge of God. Look at the one he wrote to the Ephesians. The letter to the Ephesians. At least the one so labeled. The one we all know from verse 17 thereabout. I pray that, how does he pray again? That God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know, let's start somewhere like that, you may understand the hope, the word, the things that God has promised you in Christ Jesus, and how to walk in them. That's it. Why does he pray like that? Because if anybody understands that, every other problem is solved. Do you know Paul had people who didn't have jobs in those churches? He didn't focus on praying like that. I pray that those of you that need to prosper will prosper. No. What is he saying? If you are not prospering, there's something you don't know. If you are not getting a particular result, there's something you don't understand. So he wants to pray for people. His emphasis is that they will be filled with knowledge. That they may be filled with understanding. That they may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I said something to us before. When Jesus was teaching... He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and every other thing will be added to you. So if anything is not added to you, you know what Jesus is saying? There's something you are not seeking properly. That is the simple truth. Let me just talk briefly about how we pray for our personal needs. Paul said it to us like this, right to the Philippians. Paul said, don't be anxious or have any anxiety about anything, in chapter 4. He said, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known, known unto God. Leave it like that. And I said, as a result, the peace of God that passes all understanding will come to you, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? I'm not teaching on Colossians now. But you see, what Paul, what was he trying to say? If you have a request, if you have something that's on your mind, release it, give it over to God. Then the peace of God will guard your heart. Now, why is it that it's the peace of God that's guarding your heart? You'll see something in a moment. Just put pause there. But when he's praying generally for people, what he prays for them is that God will give you understanding. God will give you knowledge. God will help you to know him better. What was he saying? I want to add two things together. I said earlier that Jesus said if you are seeking the right things, if you are seeking the kingdom, seeking his righteousness, every other thing will be added. Which means that if something is not added... There is something we are not seeking properly. So what we need is to know what we are supposed to seek. And one of the reasons why people don't seek what is right is that their minds are disturbed. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So that's why Paul said the peace of God. Are you getting what I'm saying here? That's why I'm, that's why I'm tying it together. Pray that prayer. The peace of God will come. It will guard your heart. Then you will understand what you are supposed to be doing and what you are supposed to be seeking and the right prayers you are supposed to be praying. Let me say this again. Let's not have the impression 
that God only gives to us what we ask for. No. We have enough in scripture to know there are things that God will give to you you would never ask for. God will decide you need something you do not even know. That's why I said before they call, I will answer them. That before you know enough that I should call about this thing, the answer is already there. He said, oh, this just came on time. By tomorrow, we will have needed this. Let's not focus our faith, I keep on saying it, on using it to try and acquire things, get problems solved, and all of that. No. When Paul was praying for believers, what he focused on, the prayer is simple, verse 9. We have not stopped praying for you. We heard of your love for the saints. We heard of your faith. That love very important. Don't want to talk about it now. For that reason, we began to pray that God will give you the complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you want to pray for yourself, that should be the primary thing that you are praying for. Not I have told God, though, by this time next year, I'll be driving a new car. A new car under the ownership of a stupid Christian is very bad. Are <laughs> you getting my point? It is better that that Christian, you pray like that by next year, ah, no. What I know today is not all that we know. That God, you will help. I actually do that all the time these days. I just sit down, think about my life, think about ministry, think about everything. I say, God, help me to understand what I'm supposed to be doing. If what I'm doing is wrong, let me know. I always add something. I say, God, please correct me gently. And he knows what I mean by gently. There are different ways God corrects. You've come for Bible study today now. A word will just come. Please collect your correction. You go and sleep. You dream a bad dream. <laughs> That's happened to me a number of times. In the dream, I get corrected. I can remember too easily now. That's another word. Those are the gentle ways. There are some tough ways. You start losing money. That's the easy one. Among the tough ways, that is the easy one. Every business you will lose. You do your balance. Zero. Negative. So what we need is more investors. God said, no, what you need is more sense. More spiritual wisdom. Said, no, we need more investors. God said, hey, hey. how much are you owing now? 1.5 million. If I bring more investors, you'll be owing 10 million. But the fellow will not listen. He said, what about money? Let me tell something about money. Money is not the object of life, right? When you are doing business, it's a measure of efficiency. I don't know whether you're getting my point. If I give you 5 million to do business, it's after 5 years you come back and declare 4.8 million. You did bad business. Like Jesus said, you should have kept my money in the bank. <laughs> it should have produced more results for me. I mean, for, uh, 5 million, even if it's 10% interest rate per annum, at least in 5 years, let's just do simple interest. Not to be compound, but let's just do simple interest because we are, it's easy for us here. At 10%, in 5 years, my 5 million will be 7.5. Are we? They now returned it to me at 4.8 million. I'm not saying my life consists in the abundance of money you brought back. I'm just saying that you are a bad businessman. That's just the reality. So God gave us money as what? A measure of efficiency. I'm doing business. The money is not coming in. I'm not talking about making billions. I'm not, no. Am I running my business efficiently? That's what we are talking about. All right? And so God says simply, why are you, what, is, what is the problem with that? There's not more investors you need. There is a spiritual wisdom you don't have. I said, no, I've done everything right. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. 
if you say, if you, say you did everything right, then why is it not working? It doesn't mean you are a sinner. When you tell Christians that it's then I know after I didn't cheat anybody, it's not only cheating. It's not only cheating. There are, you know, there are people that are so righteous that in their righteousness, they calculate their costs wrongly. I don't know what I get my, what I mean by that. Yes, they are very righteous. How much did you buy this thing? I bought it for 700 naira. How much are you selling it? I'm selling it for 850. That's decent profit. And it sounds good. Except that you say, who carried it from where you bought it? You didn't put the cost of transportation. The people who buy from you, did they pay cash? No. How much money do you use to remind them to come and pay? I like what they say on Shark Tank. What's your cost of customer acquisition? <laughs> By the time they don't, they are doing primary school bookkeeping to do complicated business. It doesn't work like that. So, I'm, I'm not teaching business now, but I know many people seem that they are learning from what I'm saying. So, they've kept me there. But I will stop. We have to finish this one later. <laughs> but I just said that God will just say, listen, the reason why things are not working the way you think they should be working is simply because there is something you don't know. That's all. It doesn't mean you are evil. There is just something you don't know. My wife met a woman once. The woman was talking about this thing is very profitable. I tell my wife, sat her down. And she noticed something that the woman was owing everybody. Once she does business with you, she'll be owing you. And you talk to her, she's a good person. She's not, she's a good person. She's an honest individual. You know, not somebody who will cheat you of your money. Then after talking to her, after getting to know her, well, my wife realized where her problem was. One, she sold things. Did not know the cost of recovering her money. Unfortunately, she had, she had, um, she had, um, what do I call it now? Favor. And when I say unfortunate, it was unfortunate because she ruined all her relationships like that. People will come and say, all right, look at these goods. They are worth 500,000 naira. I want to help you get on with your business. Sell and I'm giving you the cost is 500. You make your profit on it. And she'll put a decent profit for herself. At the end of the day, she can't pay the people back. So now I say, where's my money? She starts dodging. Shara told my wife once to call somebody and say, don't tell the person you are my friend. My wife wanted to buy something. They said, oh, this person will supply you very well. But don't tell the person I gave you the number. Why? Because she's owing that fellow money. And this is an honest individual. Also, my wife got to know her. She realized that, ah, this, this is this woman's problem. She'll buy something for, let's say, 5,000. And I say, I'm selling for 5,500. 5,500 looks like a decent profit if they gave you your cash. And she'll spend... 300 naira to pursue the person to collect 5,000. That 300 is not accounted for. In that process, she's eating <laughs> and transporting herself. When she would, she would do simple bookkeeping, this thing was 5,000. I sold for 5,500. How come I can't pay back? She won't realize you didn't sell for 5,500. You sold for 5,020 naira. Because the other 500 naira went in cost of pursuing the person, running up and down, transporting from here to here. And you know, God, God hates waste. He won't give you more money until you learn more sense. So you are praying to him and say, God, give me more investors. God, they are, the one I gave you, you are owing them two million naira. Oh, just need nice capital. You say, no, you don't need financial capital. You know, you need intelligent capital. <laughs> Somebody needs to tell you this is how to do business, not the way you have been doing it. Say, so I know my God is able. God says, it's my ability I want to give you now. 
It's called wisdom. That's why Paul used to pray the way he's praying for people. He said, as a believer, he said, no. You are, in fact, we'll get down to that and we'll look at Ephesians. He said to them in the book of Ephesians, he said, you have been blessed. It's past tense. You have been blessed. So if things are not working well, it's because of lack of wisdom. It's because of lack of understanding. Why? You have been blessed. I'm watching my time. Let me just pass a comment. I'll get back to that maybe next time. All right? Another thing he said, okay, I will leave this. Let me just read this. And then next time, I will now, be, will now pick up from that verse um, um, 13. He said, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This particular line is one reason why I wanted to read New Living Translation. If you read um, King James, New American Standard, most other Bibles, he will give you something like this. He said, for in him, verse 13, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That in whom we have redemption is very Christian, very churchy. I like this New Living Translation because he said that the word redemption, it means to buy. So he brought it to light. He said, who purchased our freedom? I like that one. No, there's something about it that's exciting me. Maybe because I'm a black man. Who purchased our freedom? Two things I want to bring out from there. Number one, we are free. Number two, it was paid for. The freedom is not free. Why am I talking about that? Next time, that's, where I will be, that's what I will build on. Next time I will come. To explain the fact that there are kingdoms. We were slaves in one kingdom. Somebody came to the market, paid and bought us, and took us somewhere else. That one, I need, because that is the fundamental thing, one of the fundamental things Christians must understand. All this one is so a seed, so that you can be free. Like I keep on saying, it's an insult to the person who has already paid who has already purchased that freedom. That's why I talk the way I do. Like I keep on saying about money matters. You know, like I told you, it's a problem in society, so let's address it. A Christian is a giver. Amen? Amen. If you're not a giver, you're a sinner. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's all life is about. Why are we givers? Abba. Whose, father, whose son are you? Whose child are you? Are you getting my point? You're, you are like your father who is in heaven. For God so loved that he gives. Anytime he loves, he gives. For God loved the alien amongst you, the stranger. How? He gave him food, raiment, clothing. That is clothing, shelter. He took care of him. We are like our father. We are perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. But we don't buy freedom with money. We don't buy our freedom with offerings. We don't. Why? It has been bought. It's been paid for. That's my emphasis. He paid. Our freedom. This is when you hear me preach and I'm praying a lot of times I say, Every ancestral curse has been broken. That is scripture. It's not because I like the ancestral curses broken. It's because I read that they've been broken. It was paid. I had one clown one day. In fact, I, it was a message. Somebody called me and said, Pastor B, matter day. I said, what happened? She said, she go to church today in Port Harcourt. A church that even has faith in their name. Not only are they Pentecostal, faith is part of the name of the church. And the pastor said, assuming 
Say if you're having problems, it's because your parents pledged when you they were when you were when they were pregnant when your mother was pregnant, they pledged to bring an offering to the shrine. They have not paid. And that's why the spirits are pursuing you till today. So this morning, you are going to pay that money <laughs> that your father is owing the shrine. But since you cannot go to the shrine, God will collect it on behalf of Amadioha. He didn't put that Amadioha. I'm the one that added the Amadioha. That God will collect it. You never can tell. Maybe it's a goat they, they placed. You come and give something that you are sure. So the largest thing was like a cow. So how much is a cow? My sister was in church looking like this. After service, now I come and say, Bank, I beg, Omo, Wala, Deo. She says, please, what do you have to say? I said, what do I have to say? Is your pastor a Christian? I don't know whether you are getting my point. What do I have to say? Is the man born again? Which Christ is he preaching? To whom is he preaching? You hear people say, come on, I've been in a meeting for, oh, for the redemption of, who will give a million for the redemption of the Enugu people? I was, in the, I was looking like, what? <laughs> that kind of You're a Christian. You are telling believers to come and redeem. Next time we'll come back, we'll, we'll go back to that. I'll just take a few minutes to explain the fact that there are kingdoms, there are domains. People can be in bondage in one. But you, if you're a believer, you have been freed. Why? It's a legal transaction. Payment was made to deliver you. If anybody says anything different, the person is lying. That was why Paul wrote the book of Colossians. Messages like that were being preached at that time. Especially those ones who came from Judaism. They spoke as if Christians were still in bondage. Meanwhile, indeed, the Christians have been freed. I hope you're getting my point. We'll take it line by line. Like I said, from next time, I'll pick up from that very verse to explain the issue of kingdoms, dominions, and how people can be in bondage and how you and I have been liberated. We'll see later. I always like to say it. There's a reason why all the most backward nations on the earth are black. There is a reason. Even the Arab countries, they balance small. Not only war. When not for war, they have more balance. I will talk about it again. I just like to explain it. Why do I like to explain it? So that you will take your freedom. You take it seriously and don't sell it ever for slavery. If Satan wants to buy people back, it's money he offers. And people are still selling themselves back into slavery today. We'll talk about it again. What I enjoy most, I've told you what I enjoy most about Christianity. I like to say it again and again. What I appreciate my God for, what I appreciate Jesus for most, is because I understand life, and I knew that were it not for him, one day, maybe somebody will have taken my son, Akinulu, from me, and put him on the platform, and sold him like commodity. Maybe. And somebody will put him on the stage, and say, going, going. So I say, $250. And the mother will be there crying. Why? Because the master is broke. Or because he's angry with me. The only reason why it will never happen 
is because Jesus died on the cross. And I know I have been freed. I am nobody's slave. I told you one day I was sitting in an airport waiting for my flight to connect in um, Dubai. And they were trying to arrange something. And one man did like this and called me. And my spirit was provoked. Next time you do me like that, your house will fall. Somebody said, he's calling you, calling me. He can't be calling me. Is he mad? You stretch your left hand and call me like this. It's not pride, though. It's because he was an Arab. Even a black man coming like that, I forget up. My vexation was spiritual. No, I'm serious. That was my only reason. You say maybe no, it's not pride. If I was here and the black man did me like this, I forget up, say, oh, bros, what may happen? But once I saw that his robe, like, do you know Jesus died? <laughs> Believe me, that is why I don't care. I don't care how bad the economy gets. I won't run anywhere looking for money. I'll say, God, bury me in peace. There's one film, film I saw once. There's one guy. I saw a recent the name of the film. It had to do with um, the eruption in um, Pompeii. I think it's Pompeii. Yes. One of those gladiators. As the fire was coming to him, he did like this. He said, I died a free man. It resonated with You know, there are things that connect with you. That thing connected with me. The guy said, ah, because he was a slave all his life. But one way he got his freedom and died an hour later. And as his fire was burning towards him, he stretched his hand and he said, I died a free man. I'm free. I won't sell myself into slavery for anybody. I don't care how much money you're offering. Let me die in poverty, but I must die a free man. Let's bow down our heads. Let's just give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, thank you. Say, Lord, thank you. Because I'm free. Say, Lord, thank you. Because I am free. Just give him thanks. Let's just rise to our feet. We're closing in the next few seconds. Just tell, tell him thank you. Say, Lord, thank you because I am free. Say, Lord, thank you because I am free. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for the spirit of revelation. Thank you for understanding. So that I thank you because I am free. Say, Lord, I thank you indeed because I am free. Father, we give you thanks today. Thank you for this time of refreshing. I want to thank you for the life of our brother Paul. In his generation, he served you and he put down these revelations that you committed into his hands. Thank you, Lord, for preserving these revelations for thousands of years for us. Thank you for the understanding you are giving us as we look into your scriptures in this season. Thank you for freedom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, once again, I bless your people with your blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. Is freedom be established in your life? Amen. That thing you need to know. I ask the Father now for you that that thing you need to know so as to release that material blessing, that physical blessing, that thing into your life, that God will give you understanding in it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Blindness is gone in Jesus' name. Amen. And clarity has come to you in the name Amen. of Jesus Christ.
Father, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship quickly. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessings. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time. This is my season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus. Please bless somebody on your left or on your right. This is your season of fruitfulness and multiplication. Another person.